Welcome to Practical Christian Living. The angels take an, an incredibly interested part in what we're doing. I, I wonder, the angels who are living in that reality of the spiritual realm, the angels that know the spiritual battle that's taking place, the angels that know the spiritual battle that's taking place between your son or your daughter or your friend or your coworker, and we're kind of nonchalant about it. And they're in the thick of the battle. And I wonder if they just don't go, just let me do it. God's Word tells us not only do the angels rejoice when one sinner comes to repentance, it also says the angels are interested in what we're doing. Why? Because they can see the spiritual realm and the battle that rages. Because we have been given the responsibility to take the life-saving message of the gospel to every living thing. We're in 1 Peter chapter 1. Please stay with us for more. Here comes Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Verse 11, uh, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So see, he's speaking about this very thing. He's speaking about the prophets who are testifying of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that would follow. He's clearing up the struggle that a lot of the rabbis had about how does the suffering Messiah and the glorious Christ, how does the glorious Messiah all work together? These guys didn't understand it when they were writing it. They longed to look into our salvation, but we've seen these very things take place. We see the sacrifice of Christ as he gives himself for our sins. And we've seen that we are now waiting for him to come back again. And upon his return is the revealing of our salvation. It says in verse 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering. The things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel. So again, verse 12, to them it is revealed not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering these things. So it is to us that the prophets were writing to, to those who would come to Christ, to those in our day who are called Christians that the prophets were, were ministering to, to you through those who have preached the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, the good news, that if you trust in him, that if you receive him, the Bible says in John 1, 12, that as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God to those who believe in his name. So that if you say, Lord, I want you in my life and I receive you into my life, that he will come into your life and bring a transforming power with him. I, I read this last week, somebody who said, who's a Christian, who said Christ doesn't have any transforming power. And sometimes I wonder when you read blogs or you read these different things that are out there, you wonder where are these guys coming from? Christ ha if Christ doesn't have a transforming power for us, then how are we transformed? How is the world being transformed? And why are we serving and following him if he doesn't have that transforming power? And what does the Bible mean when it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Bold, behold, all things have passed away and everything has become new. The transforming power of Jesus by the gospel of Jesus Christ changes us from who we were into who he wants us to be. Not so that we can just have our lives bettered, not so we can be more comfortable, but so that we can be called to do the work that God has called us to do. 
He goes on to say in verse 12 again, to them it was revealed not to themselves, but to us that they were ministering these things and not have been reported to you through the gospel of Jesus, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, the things which angels desire to look into. Boy, that's a statement, isn't it? You have these prophets that are writing and they don't understand what they're writing about, the concept of the suffering of the Messiah and the glory that he would come into and that you and I have these things ministered to us for the gospel, for the gospels and that the angels desire to look in to what's taking place. You know what the Bible teaches us about angels? It tells us that angels are ministering spirits sent to minister to those that have life. Jesus talked about the angels of the children seeing the face of God. Jesus talked about guardian angels. There's a spiritual world around us that is every bit as real, I even, even more real than the physical world that we're in. To us, this physical world is real. We're here today, we're hearing the sounds, we're sitting in a chair, we, we feel whether it's hot or cold in here. By the way, are you guys cold or hot? Whether it's hot or cold in here, we feel those things. But behind the scene, there are angels. And the Bible in three different places, this isn't the only place that it says that angels desire to look into these things. It tells us that angels long to see them. It draws a pictures of the angels looking at us and looking at God and saying, I don't get it. I don't know what you're doing. I'm quite sure that God is doing a work with us and through us and around us that the angels just scratch their head and go, I don't know why God doesn't just toast all of these people, finish them all off, start over or use us. But the angels have become a witness to what God's doing in us. So much so that the Bible tells us that there's joy in the presence of the angels when one sinner turns away from his sins. When one person, there's rejoicing that's in heaven. The angels take an, an incredibly interested part in what we're doing. I, I wonder, the angels who are living in that reality of the spiritual realm, the angels that know the spiritual battle that's taking place, the angels that know the spiritual battle that's taking place between your son or your daughter or your friend or your coworker, and we're kind of nonchalant about it, and they're in the thick of the battle, and I wonder if they just don't go, just let me do it. Just let me appear to them and give them the gospel. But angels weren't entrusted with the gospel. You and I were. Now the day will come when angels will declare it, but not today. Today, you and I have been entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've been told to preach the gospel to every creature. And I love that it says creature. It doesn't say preach the gospel to every person. I love Steve Mays tells the story of wanting to preach so bad that he would drive out to a turkey farm and he would pull his truck up to the fence and all the turkeys would come to him and he would preach a gospel, the, uh, the message to the turkeys. Then he, when he tells the story, he says, and I'm still preaching to turkeys today. So that, that's his little joke that he throws into there. Well, whenever I hear him tell that story, I think that's preaching the gospel to every creature. Have you told your dog or your cat about Christ? Now, I don't think that we should be preaching to dogs and cats, and I don't think that we should be preaching to turkeys. But I do believe that God was giving us this, this general commission. That is a large commission. Who do we preach to? 
Do we preach to only, only to the saved? Do we preach only to the elect? There are people who are worried about giving the presentation of the gospel to those who are perishing, which always cracks me up. If people are perishing and can't be saved, what does it matter if I preach to them? What does it matter if they hear the message of the gospel and reject it? So why can't you take the gospel to everyone? What cracks me up as well is a lot of times those who say, well, you shouldn't be telling the gospel to people who, don't, who aren't going to be saved. How do I know who's going to be saved until I preach the gospel to them and whether or not they're saved? And then those exact same people will be big on, on missionary work. Why is it okay to go over to Africa or India and preach the gospel to everyone there and not preach the gospel to everyone that's in America? The gospel hasn't been entrusted to angels, but angels, they're looking in. Angels are like, what's going on? What's God doing? I don't understand it. How excited would they be if they were trusted with the keys of the kingdom? Jesus said to Peter, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And he says, Petra, you are Peter upon Petra, I will build my church. He didn't say, you're, you're Peter, and on Peter I'm going to build my church. Because that would be a pretty sad and pathetic church that was built upon Peter. It wasn't that Peter didn't play a leadership role in the church, because he did. And then Jesus said, and I give you the keys to the kingdom. You have been entrusted with the keys to God's kingdom. You know how to open the door and let someone in. You know how to bring someone to Christ. You are, you're the one who is to bring the message of the gospel to them. And everywhere you go, you've got the Holy Spirit in you that's working behind the scenes. You say, well, I've tried to share with them. They haven't come to Christ. Well, all you've done is is watered a little bit. You've sown some seeds. Begin to pray. Begin to pray faithfully for them. The Bible says, pray and keep praying. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. Remember the paralyzed man that the four friends brought to Jesus? When they couldn't get in, they tore a hole in the roof to lower the friend down before Christ. Are you willing to tear a hole in the roof for those around you who need Christ? For your sons, for your daughters, for your friends, for your, for your family? Because the message of the gospel has been entrusted to us. The prophets, they were faithful. They didn't understand what they were doing. They just had a, a piece of it and they didn't understand it. Now you and I have this, this we're, we're seeing it from another perspective. We're seeing that salvation was for us and that they were writing these very things for us and that we have been entrusted with that gospel and that these angels desire to look into it. Now, one more thing here. It says in, in verse, let's read verse 12 again from the beginning. To them, it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel. That is to those prophets who were writing their prophecies. It's been revealed that it is to us that we have received the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So Jesus, on the night that he was arrested, gathered together with his disciples and told them that he was leaving. And sorrow filled their hearts, the Bible says. And he said, but I will not leave you orphans. I will send you another helper. And thus he spoke, the Bible says, of the Holy Spirit. Another, the word for another there is another just like. And so he would give the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit has been with you. He will be in you. And then later on, he talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon them. When they 
were with Jesus. The Holy Spirit was with them. After Jesus rose from the dead, John 20 tells us that Jesus gathered his disciples together and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. At that point, they were born again. They had entered into the new covenant and they were born again because no one can say Jesus is Lord without the spirit of God in them. When you were drawn to Christ, when you were living in the world apart from him, the Holy Spirit was with you. He was around you, convicting you, convincing you that you needed God. It's the same work that happens with us now as we preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit works with us and with them and convinces them that they need Christ, the convicting work of the Holy Spirit. But the moment that you invite Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit moves in. Now the Spirit is inside of you. And there is not a person who is born again who doesn't have the Holy Spirit in them. Your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I, to really understand that, to grasp it, to understand that you are possessed by a spirit, not by a demonic spirit, but you are possessed by the spirit of the living God who is gentle and leading and guiding, who is just spoken of by Jesus as a, as a wind that blows. There's a, there's a wind that comes into our lives, fills our sails and leads us and guides us. The wind blows where it will and we don't understand it. We don't know where it's coming from and we don't know where it's going. The whole work of the spirit, it's such a mysterious thing to us but it's as real as the wind. And it works in the same way the wind does. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going. We don't know how it's working and what it's doing, but it's doing those things in our lives. So the Holy Spirit is in you and when you come to Christ because no one can say Jesus is Lord without the Spirit of God. So when a church says uh, of another church, well, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit. Well, what true and genuine church doesn't believe in the Holy Spirit? They're only believing in a, a, not, a, not a trinity, but a duity. They believe in the Father, the Son. Just leave the Holy Spirit out. No, they believe in the Holy Spirit. What they don't believe in is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall receive power when the Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's with you before you come to Christ. He's in you at the moment you're born again. But there is a time as you wait upon him and you begin to do the work that he comes upon you and he empowers you. And as you read the book of Acts, as you make your way through, next time you read it, just highlight or, under, or, or circle or underline. Do something special to the word upon. Every time it says, the Holy Spirit came upon them. It happened to them several times throughout the book of Acts. It didn't happen once. It didn't happen in Acts chapter two on the day of Pentecost only. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them. But a little bit later on, they had been arrested. They had been warned that they keep preaching the gospel. They would be beaten. They prayed. Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them. Now consider their threats and give us boldness that we can preach your word. I love the fact that they didn't pray to be protected from the threats. If you and I were threatened, if I was threatened, if I kept preaching the gospel, I would be beat for it. The first thing I would pray is, Lord, don't let me get beat. And by the way, give me boldness to preach the gospel. They never prayed that. They prayed, Lord, you created everything. Consider their threats and give us boldness. 
And the Bible says the room that they were in was shaken and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It was a second time. Later on, it says, and Peter stood up and spoke to them and, being, and the Holy Spirit coming upon him, he began to speak. And it happens again and again and again to the same people as they go out to do the work that God's called them to do so that you and I, we receive power to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The power is to be witnesses. I believe that the greatest manifestation of the Holy Spirit coming upon you, I don't care what you want to call it. You want to call it being baptized? You want to call it receiving the Holy Spirit? You want to call it the Holy Spirit coming upon you? It's funny the things that we'll argue about. Well, they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe you receive the Spirit, but you don't get baptized in the Spirit. You know, it says in Acts chapter 8 that they had not been, that they had not received the Holy Spirit. They had only been baptized by the baptism of Jesus. So it makes a reference, only been baptized. Talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit being given. Never does it say, use the word baptized in the Spirit, but it seems to make a suggestion. What I'm saying is, what we call it isn't important. But seeing in Acts chapter 8 that there's a group of people who have received Christ, who have been baptized, but they haven't had the Holy Spirit come upon them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them and their whole life changes. So we have the Holy Spirit that gives us power to be witnesses. Have you ever begun to share with someone? I mean, you want to share with people and you want to tell them about Christ and you're ready to do it and you're a little bit fearful when you begin to do that. You know, your heart, I want to tell you about Jesus. And then something just happens. And all of a sudden you start telling them about the word of God. And it's like a message forms inside of you. And you start thinking, this is really good. I wish I was writing this down. (laughs) I got to remember this for the next time I'm witnessing. And all of a sudden it just takes off and there's something that happens. I believe that that is one of the greatest manifestations of the work of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what else it is? It's not just the power to actually open up your mouth and tell someone about Jesus, but it's actually the power to live your life for Christ that people can see Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now we've been given the Holy Spirit. These guys were preaching the gospel. We go all the way back to uh, to verse, let's read verse 10, 11, and 12, and we'll wrap it up uh, one more time. He says, of this salvation, the salvation that we rejoice in, that is revealed at the end uh, of our faith is the salvation. This salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them was indicating when he testified before the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would be revealed. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering the things that now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels are looking into. Angels are still looking into the work that you and I are doing. That we are the salt, we are the light, we've been given the keys, and we are sent out into into the world to make a radical difference by it. Let's pray. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. Again, as we look at your word and we see 
the work of your spirit in us and we consider our own salvation and we want to, by faith, have our, our lives, our faith tested as a, by the trials, the grievous trials that we face and go through, have our faith tested. And Lord, we pray that our faith would be tested to be genuine, that we would be used by you, called by you, filled by the power of the Spirit and sent out. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your eyes, bow, uh, eyes closed, please, and your heads bowed, or your eyes bowed and your heads closed. No, keep your heads open, um, your, your, your eyes closed, your heads bowed. And I'd like to take a moment just to, if there's anyone here who has never invited Christ in, to give you an opportunity to surrender to him today. Perhaps the Spirit has been working in your heart. No one comes to the Father unless the Father first draws him. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. I, I quoted during the study, John chapter one, verse 12, which says, as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God. And if you're here today and you've never invited Christ in, you've never come to that place where you've said, Lord, I surrender myself to you. I now wanna follow you and I wanna live for you. I did it when I was 14 years old. And my life was radically changed. God began to do a work in me. If you're here today, you want to give your life to Christ, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple. Right where you are, just raise your hand. Lift your hand up now. Lift it up high so I can see it. I want to make my way around the room and acknowledge the hands that are raised. I'm going to pray for you and pray with you. God bless you, ma'am. That's great. Anyone else? Just raise your hand now. It's not the raising of your hand that saves you. It's not the praying of a prayer in a moment that will save you. It's believing that causes you to raise your hand. It's believing that causes you to pray the prayer. And all who believe in him will be saved, the Bible says. I'll go around the room one more time. You want to give your life to Christ today? Just raise your hand now. Again, lift it up. Lift it up high. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you sir the balcony that's great anyone else all right and god bless you here great thank you god bless you god bless you ma'am that's awesome all right god bless you ma'am and god bless you sir maybe i should look around a little more anyone else i'll just scan the room one more time just raise your hand now as God searches the hearts of men and women. All right, you can put your hands down. Did I miss another one? God bless you. You can put your hands down. I would like everyone, including those who raised their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned and I know my sin has separated me from you. I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus upon the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. 
We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.